You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to Now Hear This. I'm your host, Chris Spangle. Now Hear This is a conversation with leaders in Indianapolis that are working to improve the lives of Hoosiers. Our goal is to empower you to join in their work and make a difference while informing you about the unseen aspects of life in Indiana. If you miss an episode, you can listen via podcast at nowhearthisindy.com. Today, we are talking to Lisa Laughlin, the executive director of West Indy Development Corp. And uh, I am looking forward to speaking to you today. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Chris. So tell us a little bit about West Indy Development Corp. What exactly is it? So we are pretty much your typical community development corporation in Indianapolis. Our main goal is to provide affordable housing for residents who live within our boundary area. Um, we do that through rental housing. We have, we're working on this year, two homes for sale. And we also in the past and hopefully in the near future have run a an homeowner occupied repair program that provides no interest long-term loans for homeowners to do substantial repairs without which they might be in danger of losing their homes. Mm. So you may not necessarily have the money to repair the home and the value of the home goes down. And so you help, you help with that. So let's start with, um, a development court, because I don't know that this is a concept that many people are familiar with. There are many around town. What exactly is a de- is it a corporation, a development corporation? So community development corporations have been around for about 50 years, I think. And we all typically have the same goal in mind to help low income um, residents either become homeowner, homeowners, but at least have stable housing. But we also um, do focus on community economic development in our catchment areas. And we almost all have specific areas that we serve. There are a couple of entities in the city who are able to provide these kinds of resources to the entire county, areas where there aren't existing community development corporations. Um, So we do things like facade grants, um, businesses in the area who um, just need that little uplift. We match their dollars one for one up to about $15,000 through a partnership with the local initiative support corporation. Um, We want to see businesses thrive in our communities. So many of our, the CDCs in Marion County work very directly with like their merchants association, if they have one um, to be a resource to kind of help drive business. Um, For example, not that we've done that here, but Southeast neighborhood development very instrumental in the rehabilitation and bringing back Fountain Square's um, commercial corridor, as well as housing for their low-income neighbors. So is it a government entity? Is it a private entity? Where's the funding come from? How does it, how does it organized on the legal side? We're all private nonprofit entities. Um, we all have boards that govern us. Um, we receive funding from a multitude of sources, depending on the programs that we're running. Um, our The homes that we're going to build this fall, um, we're going to build with federal dollars that come through the city of Indianapolis through something called the home program that the federal government built back in the 60s or the 70s, I believe. Um, We also get money from the federal government through the Community Development Block Grant Program, or CDBG, as we love our acronyms. (laughs) Um, that, That program helps us build houses, sell houses, and primarily 
a lot of us use that for the homeowner repair program. Um, we have a good number of rental properties and those are really where our stability, the income from those rental properties um, kind of feed us. That's how we're able to manage our operations. And then anything above and beyond just the day-to-day, -day, we go looking for money from other places. Um, we get a grant from the Lilly Techs um, Technology Division every year to help support our operations. Um, but really, they come from a, different, a, a lot of different sources. So do you find the need and then go out and find the money or do you or are you just constantly trying to find the money and then you when you get a need, use that pot of money to to fulfill those grants to homeowners? Or is it all of the above? All of the above. <laughs> okay. All of the above. We typically um, will find a need and then go look for the dollars. So in West Indianapolis, we have one real multifamily apartment building. It is a 39 unit senior building so just 55 and over um and then we had and and we own that that's one of our rental properties but in all of the rest of west indianapolis the only other real apartments there are two units two buildings that have eight units each so we don't have a lot of multifamily. so we are going to build um a 40 unit apartment building and once we saw that that was a need in our community, we maintain a wait list for our rentals. So we know the need is out there. So once we determined that was a need and we determined that we either had property or could acquire property, then we start looking for the funding mechanism for that. How do you determine the need? Well, when our waiting list for rental properties gets to about 15 or 20 families on a regular basis, we know there's a need. Okay. And we know the industry knows that across the country, the inventory of affordable housing is miserably low. There's not affordable enough affordable housing anywhere in the country. In the state of Indiana alone, and I'll probably get this wrong, but I believe that we are 30,000 units short of having enough housing to make sure that all of our low-income families have housing security. How does something, how does that happen in the richest country in the history of the world? <laughs> well, we also have a free market and landlords are able to charge whatever that they choose for rent unless there are federal dollars in their properties. And we have a lot of families, not even in the low income category, but there are a lot of families in our country that are what the federal government calls cost burdened with housing. So federal guidelines are that you should not be paying anything, more, you should not be paying more than 30% of your gross income for your housing whether that's you, me, somebody who's bringing in $30,000 a year with a family of two, or somebody who brings in $100,000 with a family of two, you still shouldn't be paying more than that in the grand scheme of things. And unfortunately, many people are. So let's talk about West Indy. How does, where, what are the, what's the geographical shape of West Indy? What are the boundaries and then how does the CDC determine what part of Indianapolis they're going to serve? So our boundaries are a little odd. Um, they're not a perfect box. We go from the river to Holt Road to the west. Our southern boundary is Raymond. And then our northern boundary is the second set of railroad tracks south of Washington Street. Okay. And we did that with the CBC that is immediately to the north of us to accommodate one neighborhood association that 
was being divided. It wasn't really divided, but half of them were in our territory. Half of them were in the other territory. So we just wanted to make it easier for the neighborhoods to figure out where to go for assistance. And go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So our balance are typically decided at creation by neighbors and our CDCs almost all have been formed out of a need in neighborhoods for professional representation to the city, um, for professional groups who can actually build housing and provide that kind of housing. So our boundary was determined by the West Indianapolis Neighborhood Congress, which was established originally back in the 70s. Um, but in the 90s, after they had already put in I-70, but we're going to widen Harding Street, this, this neighborhood needed some, some professional representation and someone who could help them have enough power to say, hey, you're going to have an impact on our community and we need to have a voice in how that happens. Yeah, so West Indies sort of, uh, I don't think it's called Stadium Village, but the portion south of Lucas Oil and then over towards kind of Garfield Park and butting up against Bates Hendricks. Is that West Indy? No, that is actually Southeast Neighborhood Development. So okay. we're west of the river. Oh, okay. All right. So we start at the GM stamping plant in the northeast. Got it. Okay. Corner of our area. And then the southwest stout field is just on the outside of our boundary at the southwest side. Got it. Okay. And so what is the difference between a neighborhood association and a CDC? Is it, is it the neighborhood associations more broad in focus and then you're more focused on housing? That is a portion of it. Um, neighborhood associations tend not to be nonprofit um, because that requires governance and a whole lot more paperwork um, and regulation than just being a neighborhood association. Neighborhood associations tend to be more grassroots and focus on community engagement and how individual neighbors can actually make an impact and be involved in their community. CDCs um, are, are definitely more of the professional side of that. If you're gonna, if a company's going to donate money for a charitable organization, it typically has to go to a 501c3. Neighborhood associations, again, typically don't have that level. Um, and we are very focused, like I said, on housing and economic development, whereas neighborhood associations are doing things like neighborhood cleanups, building pocket parks, now, good CDCs and their neighborhood associations all work very closely together, and we are a resource for our neighborhood associations here in West Indy. Okay. Well, this is a great civics lesson because I don't think people understand that a lot of this goes on. So you, you mentioned need, and so you have 10 to 20 families that have need for, for housing. How, how does that happen? Is it, is it somebody is aware of your organization and they refer a family to you? Is, do you do advertising? Where does, that be, where does that process begin? Wow. Well, we really don't have to do much advertising for the reason that the need is so great. But folks find out about us a lot through 211, Connect to Help. Um, if they're looking for a place, um, I believe that we're probably also on a registry um, with, I think Indianapolis Housing Association probably keeps a list of all of the CDCs in the area, but mostly it's referral and word of mouth. Okay. And then once somebody approaches you, what, what process happens next? 
So they are looking for a rental. Um, I, I refer them over to our property manager, Debbie Fox. Um, she does their intake, determines if they are financially, um, they meet those income limits to be able to rent our properties. And she manages all the paperwork and, and that whole relationship from there. Okay. And then you have, so it, uh, just looking at my notes here, you have, um, you've owned 76 units. Is we that currently do. Okay. Which is, I mean, for a smaller neighborhood, I, I assume you're a smaller neighborhood. It's, that's, that's a tremendous amount. And so how, how do you upkeep all those using, do you, do you have maintenance? Do you, I assume you do all all the maintenance if I have a busted water heater. So is it a sprawling organization to upkeep a lot of that rental property? It is not. We have the most amazing property management team. I can't say enough good things about Debbie and Paul Fox. Um, Debbie manages all of the rental. Paul does all of our maintenance. We pride ourselves on being the best landlords in West Indianapolis we want to be that standard. So we handle all of our long care, all of our maintenance in-house that we can do. If it's things that Paul is not qualified to do, of course, we bring in contractors. But we really try to do a 24-hour turnaround, at least to recognize and diagnose what the issue is. And then Paul is right on it. They're just fabulous. And then you also, as you said, help people purchase homes. About how many homes do you help people purchase overall and then in an average year? So over the last almost 30 years, we have either built or helped to purchase um, over 115 homes in West Indianapolis. Um, so the last three years were my big learning curve. Mm -hmm. I came to this job um, as a community engagement professional. Um, the gentleman who was here before me had been the only director and he retired. So getting my feet under me, learning how all of this works, figuring out the funding mechanism, finding that money, um, we plan to build two new homes this year, and then hopefully going forward, if we can find the, the land, um, we we plan to build at least two new homes every year moving forward. So those homes will be built in the fall, um, if everything goes according to plan anyway. The, the virus has set us back just a little bit in our timing, but um, we're going to build two, three-bedroom, two-bath, 1,400-square-foot homes that are super energy efficient, come with Energy Star appliances. We want to set up our, our new homeowners with every opportunity for success. Well, that's awesome. So let's talk a little bit first about the history of the organization and then your own history. When was the West Indianapolis Development Corporation founded and, and how and why? 1992, uh, by a group of concerned neighbors. Again, they were members of the West Indianapolis Neighborhood Congress. Um, which has been, like I said, the name of the Neighborhood Association, main Neighborhood Association here for many years. Um, they saw the need uh, connected with Harding Street and the widening of Harding Street, um, but also we're starting to see the need for new housing and um, assistance with housing repair. This is a very blue-collar neighborhood. Um, they had bookend automotive industry. Chrysler was at one end, GM at the other. Um, both of those closed, so we lost a lot of jobs. Folks in this community are unfortunately typically undereducated because at 16, you could go to work for Chrysler and GM and make good money and not need a high school diploma to do that. So 
um, years and years and years of under education and now we're here with no jobs and very little education. So bringing somebody in who could help assist and we know that housing is the number one key to stability, to financial stability with families and so much else, mental health, physical health. So they brought us, they, they came together and created our entity. And they raised $635 <laughs> with garage sales and bake sales to, to fund the new entity, which I thought was a, a neat fact. I mean, I think people tend to look at nonprofits or, you know, not CDCs like yourself or these organizations that, you know, have you've raised over $400,000. They think, oh, that's just such a big organization. I can never do that. But most of these things start with $635 and some garage sales and four neighbors that actually care. Absolutely. That is absolutely. And that $400,000 in our community fund, let me just tell that for a minute because that doesn't, that is unique in all of Indianapolis. Hmm. That fund was started with a $20,000 loan, I believe, from the Local Initiative Support Corporation to fund it. Um, that $400,000 we have raised over the last 20 plus years. And those dollars are available to any group in West Indy that wants to do a project or a program for the public good. Um, they have to go through a 501c3 to get it. So Mary Rigg has acted as fiscal, fiscal agent. We actually act as fiscal agent the fund has its own committee, so I don't control it. I don't get to say who gets the money or who doesn't. And that committee is made up of neighbors. But we have funded things like um, we we worked with KIB and painted um, traffic signal boxes one year as a part of the Great Indy Cleanup, and we helped put money in for that. We've provided about $250 to the Neighborhood Association to do National Night Out. Little grants like that. Um, that can make a big difference if you're just a neighborhood group and you, you want to throw a block party. Um, we've provided over $1,000 to the schools in the area to fund their food pantries, their clothing pantries. Last year, we helped to fund new basketball um, goals and nets for School 46, Daniel Webster. Um, and that, again, that's unique in the city. And that is funded just through donations that initial 20 has grown because businesses and neighbors in the community see the value. Speaking to Lisa Laughlin, who's the executive director of the West Indy Development Corporation, you're listening to Now Hear This. My name is Chris Spengel. I'm your host. If you'd like to hear more, you can visit nowhearthisindy.com for past episodes. So you've mis you mentioned a couple times the local support initiative. I don't think I'm getting that name right, but what is that? Local Initiative Support Corporation, or LISC, as we love our acronyms, <laughs> they are a national entity that provides funding in local communities um, for things like facade grants or um, the Great Places 2020 program is a LISC initiative. So areas like Twin Air, Mapleton Fall Creek, um, MLK up around 29th, um, 29th and MLK, Flanner House, those kinds of areas are getting a lot of extra attention and dollars to help bring the community together to make it a better place to work, live, and play. So LISC, LISC is a funding mechanism, but they are also an organizer and community developer. They're not really a community development corporation like we are, but they are there as a great resource. 
Excellent. What What are some other resources that you access here in the city that, you know, it's just Lisk is known to you, but, you know, I'm sitting here and even though I'm a concerned citizen, I don't, I've never heard of it. What are some other entities that work in our city that you're well aware of, other community organizers are well aware of, but your average citizen might not be? So there are a couple, three. Um, the Indianapolis Neighborhood Housing Partnership is a big one. Um, INHP provide is one of those groups that can work across the whole county. So when we can't help someone with owner-occupied repairs because they're not in our service area or we don't have the dollars currently, we send them to Indianapolis Neighborhood Housing Partnership. They have awesome homebuyer education courses. They do financial literacy. They really are there for the people. They provide down payment assistance. They do their own mortgages at a very fair interest rate and with great repayment terms. Um, we partner with them. In fact, if you buy a house with us, you need to either go through their home buyer education course or through your lender's home buyer education course. Um, they do great work and again, offer that to residents all over Marion County. Um, we also work with a group called Prosperity Indiana. They were formerly, oh, I'll mess it up. So I'm gonna say what they were formerly because it doesn't matter. Um, they are a resource for CDCs, so kind of an advocacy group at the state and federal level, as well as keeping us informed of what's going on at the state house and at the federal level, and helping us know when it's time that we need to write to our congressman uh, to say, hey, we need your help here because this is a real issue. Um, Prosperity, INHP, um, we have a kind of a newish entity in the city that I'm going to learn more about this afternoon. Renew Indianapolis was created as the land bank originally um, when the city decided that it needed to move that off site and into a private nonprofit. So properties that the city owned that are residential or commercial that are just sitting vacant, properties that go through the tax sale and then the surplus sale and don't sell, Renew has the ability to acquire those. Um, and then they turn around and they market those Anyone in the city can buy from Renew Indianapolis. Um, you have to have a plan of what you're going to do with the property. And the two houses that we're going to build, we bought those properties from Renew this year. Um, they joined forces with the King Park Community Development Corporation at the beginning of this year. And the entire entity is now Renew Indianapolis. It's my understanding that their focus is going to be on redeveloping commercial properties because we have a lot of commercial and industrial properties in our city that are just sitting vacant and need someone to take them and love them. Very good. Yeah. It's, you know, there's a lot of abandoned properties and you hear about the land bank or, and you don't know what, how that stuff goes off the rolls. Very, very interesting stuff. So let's talk about the impact on individuals. Once they get into these homes or you help them buy a new home or they're renting from you, you know, who give us a sense of, you know, the avatar, I guess, of the person that you work with. What's their situation? I mean, it's not, not specifics, but just overall, who are you helping and what impact does your work have on them? Hmm. Typically, we're helping families, and a lot of them are one-parent families. Um, we have, I would say that every one of our single-family or duplex housing has a mother and or father, and at least two children. 
we provide them safety and security and stability. If you every day wonder if you're going to come home and your roof's going to be leaking or your water heater has gone out or you know that your furnace isn't going to make it another week and that is playing in the back of your mind, it's stress. And we all know how stress negatively affects us, whether we recognize it or not. And whether the top of your mind when you get home from work, if you have a job that you get home from work is, how am I going to be able to fix my house so that my family is comfortable and safe? You don't even have to have that thought first thing. If it's in the back of your mind all the time, that wears on you. We give people that sense of well-being. They, they know if they're buying a house from us. So we're selling a house um, that we've owned for 18 years. It's getting a new roof, new water heater. The furnace is only a couple of years old and it's getting a new air conditioner. We went through the whole house. And other than, you know, the fact that you can tell that it's not brand new house, the person who buys that house and moves in isn't going to have to worry about any of that stuff for a long time. That's what we want. We want the last thing that a family has to worry about is their housing. It's it's hard enough, especially right now, sometimes to figure out how you're going to feed your kids or how you're going to pay the light bill. The, the We want the stability and safety of their home to be their last worry. And hopefully that's what we provide. I, I would imagine you do. I mean, how, how many people in an average year do you work with? Oh gosh. Well over a hundred, well over a hundred. I mean, just with our rental properties and, and those are, those are 76 families. Those aren't even 76 individuals, but we probably have requests for assistance um, at least four or five times a month outside of that. Um, sometimes we can help. Sometimes we can't. Like I said, we're working on refunding our, owner-occupied repair program. So my hope is that we'll have that up and running by this fall. Um, but yeah, probably over 100 a year. And our community is 4,000 rooftops. So we're looking at a, a population here that's probably between four and 5,000. Yeah, and in a city of a million. Yeah. With a metro of two and a half million, extrapolate that out. You know, you're probably a CDC isn't in every square inch of the city, but in how many CDCs are there in Indianapolis, if you know? I think there are about a dozen of us right now. And most of us are focused kind of on the inner core. Um, There's a new CDC that started up a couple of years ago called Gateway that is um, way west side. They start about Holt and go over to Bridgeport beyond 465. Um, but the most of us are in the core. Yeah. So extrapolate that out. There is there is a housing need in the city that is tremendous. So I know you're not – we typically talk to people where I'm trying to encourage people to hear about a problem, get involved in it, you know, motivate them to volunteer. You're somewhat different. Because I'm not sure if you accept, do you accept donations or volunteers or contracting help? Like what what sort of, if there's anything, if people have been moved by this, how can they help you? We don't really have a whole lot of need for volunteers, but we definitely accept donations. And if it's volunteer professional labor, 
you know, there's a construction company out there that, you know, we're getting ready to re-roof almost all of our homes. You know, if there's a construction company out there that does that kind of work, we would definitely not turn that kind of a donation down. Um, it's, we do have a need on our board. Um, I, I'm not going to make a general call right now, but we are looking to increase our board members this year by about six members. We would prefer that they live in our community. Um, it helps when we go for funding when our board members are in our community. They don't have to be. Um, and our board right now is doing an assessment to determine um, what types of skills we need to bring to that. So there are opportunities for volunteers that way because it is an all-volunteer board. Um, and CDCs in general don't really, I mean, we're not out there doing the hands-on. We do work, we partner with Habitat for Humanity. So they typically build two homes in our community every year. Um, they work with Lily Tech because Lily Tech is right here. And Lily typically provides the labor. This year we had planned to have a community build day where neighbors could come in and be a part of that build. We're still trying to decide if that's something that can happen or not. We may have to postpone that till next year. Very good. Very quickly, because we only have a minute. Okay. What is the thing that you see on a daily basis that you wish everybody knew? Oh my gosh, you said quickly. I can't be quickly. <laughs> uh, I wish everybody knew that community development corporations exist and that they are a great resource for neighbors in their communities. And they are an opportunity for folks who are looking for a way to get involved that may not necessarily be hands-on, um, but may be able to provide time treasure talent. Very good. Lisa Laughlin, Executive Director of the West Indy Development Corporation, has been my guest. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Chris. I really appreciate the time and the opportunity. That's okay. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Now Hear This. I'm your host, Chris Spangle. If you missed any portion of our program, you can listen on our website, nowhearthisindy.com. If you'd like to have your organization featured on the show, please contact Gabby at 317-475-7407 or via the contact page on our website. Thanks for listening, and we will be back again next weekend with Now Hear This. Listeners to the We Are Libertarians podcast network know that I love podcasting and new media as much as I love libertarianism. I am starting a new podcast called Podcasting and Platforms, which you can find at podcastingandplatforms.com or look in your podcast app for Podcasting and Platforms with Chris Spangle and subscribe today because I'm going to walk you through the building of that new podcast, of this new brand, now imagine if you could go back and sit next to me from 2012 through this past decade as I've built the We Are Libertarians podcast network. That's what I'm going to do there. And so if you've ever thought about starting a podcast, if you're pod curious, then please go check it out. So if you've ever had anything that you're nerdy about, something that your spouse and family are tired of hearing about, that's the thing you ought to podcast about, and I'm here to help you. So go check it out, podcastingandplatforms.com, and sign up for our email list and subscribe to the podcast.